Section 37 of Jurisprudence. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mike Overby, who does not speak Latin. Jurisprudence by John Salmond. Appendix 3. The Maxims of the Law. Legal maxims are the proverbs of the law. They have the same merits and defects as other proverbs, being brief and pithy statements of partial truths. They express general principles without the necessary qualifications and exceptions, and they are therefore much too absolute to be taken as trustworthy guides to the law. Yet they are not without their uses. False and misleading when literally read, these established formulae provide useful means for the expression of leading doctrines of the law in a form which is at the same time brief and intelligible. They constitute a species of legal shorthand, useful to the lawyer, but dangerous to anyone else, for they can be read only in the light of expert knowledge of that law, of which they are the elliptical expression. The language of legal maxims is almost invariably Latin, for they are commonly derived from the civil law, either literally or by adaptation, and most of those which are not to be found in the Roman sources are the invention of medieval jurists. The following is a list of the more familiar and important of them, together with brief comments and references. 1. Actus non facit reum nisi mens sit rea. Leges Henrici primi. The act alone does not make the doer of it guilty, unless it is done with a guilty mind. Material without formal wrongdoing is not a ground of liability. The presence either of wrongful intent or of culpable negligence is a necessary condition of responsibility. See sections 127, 132, and 145. 2. Adversus extraneous vidiosa possessio prondes solet. Prior possession is a good title of ownership against all who cannot show a better. In the civil law, however, from which this maxim is derived, it has a more special application, and relates to the conditions of possessory remedies. See section 161. 3. Apices juris non sunt jura. Legal principles must not be carried to their most extreme consequences, regardless of equity and good sense. A principle valid within certain limits becomes false when applied beyond these limits. The law must avoid the falsehood of extremes. See section 10. 4. Cessante ratione legis cessat lex ipsa. In the application of this maxim, we must distinguish between common and statute law. 1. Common law. A legal principle must be read in the light of the reason for which it was established. It must not be carried further than the reason warrants, and if the ratio legis wholly fails, the law will fail also. 2. Statute law. To statute law, the maxim has only a limited application, for such law depends upon the authority of the literal legis. It is only when the letter of the law is imperfect that recourse may be had to the reason of it, as a guide to its due interpretation. The maxim in question, therefore, is valid only as a rule of restricted interpretation. The complementary rule of extensive interpretation is ubi idem ratio ibi idem jus. 5. Cogitationis poenum nemo patitur. The thoughts and intents of men are not punishable. The law takes notice only of the overt and external act. In exceptional cases, however, 
the opposite maxim is acceptable. Voltunus reputator pro facto. The law takes the will for the deed. See section 137. 6. Communis error facit you. A precedent, even though erroneous, will make valid law if its authority has been so widely accepted and relied on that its reversal has become inexpedient in the interests of justice. See section 65. 7. Cuis est solum aius est usque ad silum. See section 155. 8. De minimis non curat lex. The law takes no account of trifles. This is a maxim which relates to the ideal rather than to the actual law. The tendency to attribute undue importance to mere matters of form, the failure to distinguish adequately between the material and the immaterial, is a characteristic defect of legal systems. See section 10. 9. Ex nudo pacto non oritor actio. In English law, this maxim expresses the necessity of a legal consideration for the validity of a contract. Nudum pactum is pactum sin causa promittendi. In the civil law, however, the maxim means, on the contrary, that an agreement, to become binding, must fall within one of the recognized classes of legally valid contracts. There was no general principle that an agreement, as such, had the force of law. See section 124. 10. Ex turpi causa non oritor actio. An agreement contrary to law or morals can give rise to no right of action in any party to it, either for the enforcement of it or for the recovery of property parted with in pursuance of it. Confer the maxim in pari delicto podior est conditio defendentis. See section 124. 11. Ignorantia facti excusat, ignorantia juris non excusat. See section 146, 147. 12. Impossibilium nulla obligatio est. Otherwise, lex non cogit ad impossibilia. Impossibility is an excuse for the non-performance of an obligation, a rule of limited application. 13. In jure non remota causa set proxima spectator. A man is not liable for all the consequences of his acts, but only for those which are natural and probable, that is to say, those which he foresaw or ought to have foreseen. 14. In pari causa podior est conditio possidentis. Possession and ownership, fact and right, enjoyment and title, are presumed by the law to be coincident. Every man may therefore keep what he has got, until and unless someone else can prove that he himself has a better title to it. See section 107. 15. In pari delicto, podior est conditio defendentis. Identical in effect with the maxim, ex turpi causa non oritor actio. 16. Inter arma, leges silent. This maxim has a double application. 1. As between the state and its external enemies, the laws are absolutely silent. No alien enemy has any claim to the protection of the laws or of the courts of justice. He is destitute of any legal standing before the law, and the government may do as it pleases with him and his. 2. Even as regards to the rights of subjects and citizens, the law may be put to silence by necessity in times of civil disturbance. Necessitas non habet legem. 
extrajudicial force may lawfully supersede the ordinary process and course of law whenever it is needed for the protection of the state and the public order against illegal violence. See Section 36. 17. Invito beneficium non datur. The law confers upon a man no rights or benefits which he does not desire. Whoever waives, abandons, or disclaims a right will lose it. See Section 122. 18. Juris precepta sunt his, honiste vivere alterum non laidere sum sic tribure. These are the precepts of the law, to live honestly, to hurt no one, and to give every man his own. Attempts have been sometimes made to exhibit these three precepta juris as based on a logical division between the sphere of legal obligation into three parts. This, however, is not the case. They are simply different modes of expressing the same thing, and each of them is wide enough to cover the whole field of legal duty. The third of them, indeed, is simply a variant of the received definition of justice itself. Justitia est constans et perpetua voluntas iussum sic tribuendi. 19. Ius publicum privatorum pactis mutari non potest. By ius publicum, it means that portion of the law in which the public interests are concerned, and which, therefore, is of absolute authority and not liable to be superseded by conventional law made by the agreement of private persons. Confer the maxim, modus et conventio vincunt legem. See section 124. 20. Modus et conventio vincunt legem. The common law may in great measure be excluded by conventional law. Agreement is a source of law between the parties to it. See sections 11 and 122. 21. Necessitas non habet legem. Confer Bacon's Maxims of the Law, 5. Necessitas inducit privilegium, a recognition of the u necessitatis. See section 139. 22. Neminem oportet legibus esse sapientiorum. It is not permitted to be wiser than the laws. In the words of Hobbes, see Leviathan, chapter 29, the law is the public conscience, and every citizen owes to it an undivided allegiance, not to be limited by any private views of justice or expediency. See section 9. 23. Nemo plus juris ad alium transfere potest quam ipse haberet. The title of an assignee can be no better than that of his assignor. Confer the maxim nemo dat qui non habet. See section 163. 24. Nemo tenetur se ipsum accusare. The law compels no man to be his own accuser or to give any testimony against himself, a principle now limited to the criminal law. See section 175. 25. Nemo dat qui non habet. No man can give a better title than that which he himself has. See section 163. 26. Non omne quod licet honestum est. All things that are lawful are not honorable. The law is constrained by the necessary imperfections of its methods to confer many rights and allow many liberties which a just and honorable man will not claim or exercise. 27. Nullus videtur dolo facere quisuo ju iur utitur. A malicious or improper motive cannot make wrongful in law an act which would be rightful apart from such motive. 
The rule, however, is subject to important limitations. See section 136. 28. Qui facit per alium facit per se. He who does a thing by the instrumentality of another is considered as if he had acted in his own person. 29. Qui prior est tempore podior est jure. Where two rights or titles conflict, the earlier prevails, unless there is some special reason for preferring the latter. See section 85. 30. Quad fieri non debet factum valet. A thing which ought not to have been done may nevertheless be perfectly valid when it is done. The penalty of nullity is not invariably imposed upon illegal acts. For example, a marriage may be irregularly celebrated and yet valid, and a precedent may be contrary to established law and yet authoritative for the future. See section 66. 31. Res judicata pro veritate accipitor. A judicial decision is conclusive evidence, inter partes, of the matter decided. See section 67. 32. Respondeat superior. Every master must answer for the defaults of his servant, as for his own. See section 149. 33. Sic utere tuo ut alienum non laidas. Every man must so use his own property as to not harm that of another. This is the necessary qualification of the maxim that every man may do as he will with his own. See section 154. 34. Sumum ju summa injuria. The rigor of the law, untempered by equity, is not justice, but the denial of it. See sections 10 and 13. 35. Superficies solo sedit. Whatever is attached to the land forms part of it. Confer omne quod inaidificator solo sedit. See section 155. 36. Ubi iedem ratio ibi idem u. This is the complement of the maxim cessante rationi legis, cessat lex ipsa. A rule of the common law should be extended to all cases in which the same ratio applies, and, in the case of imperfect statute law, extensive interpretation based on the ratio legis is permissible. 37. Ubi ibi remedium. Whenever there is a right, there should also be an action for its enforcement. That is to say, the substantive law should determine the scope of the law of procedure, and not vice versa. Legal procedure should be sufficiently elastic and comprehensive to afford the requisite means for the protection of all rights which the substantive law sees fit to recognize. In early systems, this is far from being the case. We there find remedies and forms of actions determining rights, rather than rights determining remedies. The maxim of primitive law is rather ubi remedium ibiu. 38. Vigilantibus non dormientibus jura subveniunt. The law is provided for those who wake, not for those who slumber and sleep. He who neglects his rights will lose them. It is on this principle that the law of prescription is founded. See section 162. 39. Volenti non fit injuria. No man who consents to a thing will be suffered thereafter to complain of it as an injury. He cannot waive his right and then complain of its infringement. End of section 37